Welcome to Makers and Shakers of Chinese History. I'm Mark. If you ask any educated person in the world to name one great Chinese thinker, you may get the same answer, Confucius. Having lived in the 6th to 5th century BC in China, the great sage Confucius was actually unsuccessful in his path to seek a career in politics, despite being recognized as a diligent, knowledgeable and well-balanced person. So he would never have imagined that he would be so well-remembered, even to this day. For this episode, we're going to cover the top six facts that you need to know about ancient China's most famous philosopher and educator. Ever been between jobs before? Well, today, most job applicants may have a few months, year tops, where they have to endure the grueling pursuit of convincing employers that they would be an asset to the organization. But what if you were applying to get hired for 14 years. Number one on the list is that Confucius was a bit of a world traveller, but he was not alone. Record has it that during his exploits he took his students to travel worldwide for 14 years. He also dedicated himself to tourism at the seasoned age of 56. Travel can broaden one's horizons but it was speculated that Confucius had to travel because he was never promoted to any important positions. So he toured around, hoping to convince other rulers to put his principles of ruling a nation into practice. Confucius lived at a time of chaos, during which both political and social order moved towards disintegration. Confucius told ancient military rulers that he hoped to resume social order to the Western Zhou dynasty, which was noted for being particularly stable and orderly, and he disregarded him and his ideology. Confucius became disappointed to find that no state leader wanted to hire him and adopt his strategies. The second thing to mention here is what Confucianism actually was. Confucianism isn't a religion. If you type Confucius into your search engine, you'll probably encounter a dozen sites claiming that it is a religion, but it's wrong. His ideology influenced the nation and has become a cultural construct for ages, even to the present day. But Confucius wasn't and isn't a deity that is worshipped. So, just to clear the air, Confucius was a huge cultural influence, not a religious figure. Confucianism was more or less a code of conduct that highlighted moral order, humanity, virtue for rulers, and gentlemanly education for all humans. In this philosophy, an ancient ruler gains his power through heredity and military victory, but can only maintain that power so long as he fulfills his obligation to bring his people prosperity and safety. The courtier must maintain his duty of offering careful advice. The father is responsible for the son with his superior collection of knowledge and wisdom, while the son must be completely obedient and respectful to his father. Ruler and courtier, as well as father and son, must be well behaved in their respective positions. Therefore, the fabric of society can develop in an orderly manner. 
The third thing to know was that Confucius worked as a teacher by default. That is mainly, as mentioned before, since he was not put into any important government positions. Today he's considered the first teacher of China. Before Confucius, rich people hired tutors to teach their children. Confucius did not think learning should be just for the rich. He believed every man in China should learn. He saw teaching as a way to improve people's lives and change society. It's widely believed that Confucius first taught in the Liu State, located in East China, and had 3,000 disciples, including 72 sages. Next up, Confucius had to juggle many jobs at once in his youth. His father, a soldier and commander in the Liu garrison, died when Confucius was three years of age. The little boy was thus cared for by his mother, within her meagre means. Confucius got married when he was 19, with the couple having a son and two daughters. He took up many minor jobs to support his family. His first occupation is recorded to have been a bookkeeper of the Liu granary. It's noted that he also worked as a labourer, supervisor of the fields, shepherd, cowherd and a clerk. His experience may prove sufferings are not all bad. Fifth on the list is that Confucius and his followers competed with many other schools during the era of the 100 schools of thought, which is considered one of the great ages of cultural, philosophical and intellectual expansion in China. It took place during the spring and autumn period and the Warring States era, which spanned over 500 years from 771 to 221 BC. The rise of disunity and civil strife gave rise to various philosophies, including Confucianism, Taoism, the school of yin-yang and many other schools. Confucianism didn't triumph over the other hundred philosophical schools until several hundred years later in the Han Dynasty, when it became the first official philosophy of China. Han Dynasty rulers and their ministers wanted their rule to last, and they began reflecting on the reason why the previous Qin Dynasty perished so quickly. The Qin Dynasty was the first feudal dynasty to bring warring states to unity, but it was short-lived, lasting only 15 years. It has been believed that governing the world requires the establishment of an order that is not easily overthrown. The kind of order can not only rely on external constructs, such as system, law and penalty, but would also work to win people's recognition, so that the country may have long-term stability. Number six was about the very origin of Confucianism, also known as the Ru school of Chinese thought. It originated from hosting an annual Memorial Day service. During the Shang dynasty, which spanned from 1600 to 1046 BC, there were individuals who hosted ceremonies, such as weddings, funerals and sacrifices. These people were proficient in local customs, culture and etiquette. Confucianism originated from ceremonial priests and teachers, so it paid special attention to etiquette and norms. In modern-day society, a teacher is still in charge of correcting students' behavioural mistakes or misconduct, as well as instilling in them proper etiquette. 
in addition to teaching them textbook knowledge. So to summarize here and answer our key question of how one man's philosophy can give China and her people distinction among others, and most importantly, what kind of person does Confucianism cultivate? First of all, a follower of Confucianism has firm values of life, such as loyalty to the country, filial piety to his parents, and constant motivation of building his noble spirit as he grows up. The individual would have a sense of responsibility and mission. His goal would be to lead a peaceful family and help maintain society in stability. Secondly, this person would be very conscious of the established order. This individual wouldn't be rebellious or against the expectations of their parents and family. In the Confucian value system, the highest level is moral character, followed by building a career and correct thinking. This is an ideal personality in Confucianism. This also well explains why, in the wake of the Western Han Dynasty, rulers began advocating Confucianism, which centers on disciplining people to manage society, show a sense of responsibility, abide by rules, and also seek constant self-improvement. That's it for this episode of Makers and Shakers of Chinese History. Special thanks to San Lian Zhong Du for making this podcast possible. I'm Mark. If you like the show, please give us a rating and be sure to subscribe wherever you tune in. See you next time.